Amen. God is good, isn't he? Well, Merry Christmas to everyone here. It's good to see you all, and this is uh, our last week together before Christmas. Next week, when we gather, it'll be the day after. So Merry Christmas to everyone here, and uh, it's good to be together, isn't it? I saw a, uh, an interesting t-shirt this week. I thought it was funny, and right there in prayer, was just talking about being awake. Uh, I saw a a t-shirt, I thought it was very relevant for our time, and said, awake but not woke. <laughs> That's what we need to be. We need to be awake, not woke, right? right? We do need to be awake. Amen. Well, praise God. He is so good. Isn't God good? And isn't he faithful to us? And uh, really, that's what my sermon's about today, because the promise of Jesus coming into this earth is incredible. It's something that is our is part of our fundamentals of Christianity is Christmas. And we read this story during this time of year and rarely look at it the rest of the year. It's a big book. The Bible is a big book, so I don't think God's judging us that we don't look at this story every day. Um, but it is not just the fundamental and, and basics of Christianity that we kind of just build upon and breeze past that, okay, yeah, that's right, Jesus was a baby, came into the earth, he was born, we celebrate it once a year. There's so much more to this story than just that, and uh, I'd like to just start with, uh, I'm going to look in Matthew, and I want to uh, go right into this and read from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men, everybody say wise men, you may know it as the three kings or the magi. That's all the same. The wise men, the three kings, and the magi are all the same people. Uh, and they came from eastern lands. And uh, we don't have time for the study, so I'll just tell you that this is um, Babylon, where they came from. And most likely that the, the reason that they were even looking and even saw... Um, what they're about to see, we're about to read, and they were looking on, is because we were led into Babylon. Remember Israel, I say we because we're part of the kingdom of God, right? We. <laughs> they were led into Babylon. God led them there. And then remember that the magi or the magicians uh, were under Daniel. Remember that? God put Daniel over all of them. Supernatural. Does everybody remember that? I need, just need some nods or hands. Yeah, okay. Because... Um, so, uh, these Babylonians, these worldly men, uh, they, these wise men, but with eyes to see, uh, and possibly they weren't, weren't just worldly, but they certainly came out of the world, certainly came from Babylon. It says, verse 2, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, again... If you were to go to Babylon some hundreds of years earlier, you would have seen a mixture of all kinds of nations, including Jews. And again, their leader, literally the leader over this group of men. Now, it could have become twisted. They could have gotten into all kinds of other things, right? Jesus Christ is the beginning of our Christianity, and we still have weird sects of Christianity today. Amen? Right? So I'm not saying that they were... You know, these guys were Jews, but they certainly had the influences of it from the past. They were aware that there was a Jewish king that they would be looking for. And, he, and so they said, we saw 
his star as it rose. And uh, it says in the New King James, we saw his star in the east. Uh, the NLT translates it that we came from the east and we saw his star. Um, but uh, the New King James says that we saw it rise in the east. So the Bible says here that these uh, Eastern men, which is Babylonian, saw a star rising in the east, which is where most stars will rise from for our planet. And they said, we saw it rise, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem, and he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, this is what's interesting. Um, when we read our Bible, we're reading about Jews, but we're also reading it written by Christians. So if you were to ask a Jew today if they knew where the Messiah would be born, I don't think that they would answer you. Some Jews either think that either Messiahs are, it's an, a symbolism or that they're, or he is going to come, and some don't even know that there is a Messiah. Who's ever talked to a, a, a Jew that it's really not even part of their talk? But we know from our Bible, because they have the Old Testament that we have, right, that they were certainly looking for him, right? It's just the devil who has twisted it and taken away their promise, which they can have back, amen. But uh, it was certainly what they were looking for. And uh, so the Bible says, uh, Herod, who was he going to ask? He didn't ask the Pentecostal Christians. He asked the Jews, hey, where is... Your Messiah wouldn't be his Messiah, supposed to be born. And they know the answer because it was prophesied in our Bible, Micah being one of them. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. So we have uh, what's going on here is that these men came from the east, from Babylon, and they looked and they saw a star that did not appear. Let's just point this out. They didn't see it before, and now they've seen something. Something has changed in the heavens. Verse eight. Then he told them, "Go to Bethlehem." and search carefully for the child. So this is interesting. They came because they saw the star, and they saw it in a general area. They came to Jerusalem. They came there uh, looking for this king, our Messiah, Jesus, but they didn't know he was in Bethlehem yet because they saw a general region. I want you just to see that, all right? So they see a star. They see a star in a general region, but it's not... You know, like in the cartoons where there's a little light that's, you know, kind of bopping along the tops of the houses and landing on a little manger, okay? They see a star. They see it in the sky. You know that we traveled throughout time until GPS, until our modern history. That's how we traveled around the world. Does everybody know that? Even just traveling, you know, uh, on, not just uh, on water, but on land too, would look at the stars and they could navigate where they were, Okay. So they see a star in the sky, and that's important. I'm pointing that out because I want to just make some points in a minute. 
And then he says, go and search Bethlehem. And when you find him, come back and tell me. And I preached on this last year, but there was a conspiracy here. He just wanted to kill him, right? Didn't he? So that there was no other king but him. Um, he says, I want to go and worship him too. And after this, the interview, the wise men went their way, verse 9. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped. Everybody say it stopped. Uh, stars that are moving and then stopping. Okay, so this is significant. And I'm, and I'm saying all this for a point here. It stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now this is an incredible story. Uh, it's a supernatural story. I want you to say something out loud. I just want your soul man to hear it from your spirit. God is supernatural. God does supernatural stuff. But God works in our natural earth, doesn't he? Anybody in here natural, but also supernatural? Anybody in here supernatural, but also natural? I have a supernatural infused spirit right now, standing here, just like you do, sitting in your seats. I'm infused with the Holy Spirit. God who sits above the heavens is infused with my spirit in my natural body. So it's very clear that God works within the natural, and with, hidden within the natural is a supernatural picture. Do you guys see that? Now, the Bible says in the book of Luke, uh, actually, let me just start right here, right at Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1 verse 14. God said, New King James, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. So what divides the day from the night? The sun, the moon, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Verse 15, let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. Verse 16, God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, the smaller one to govern the night, and he also made the stars. Now, what's interesting is, is we have telescopes, and we have telescopes today that are shining deeper and deeper and deeper than ever before. Isn't it amazing? Who loves looking at some of that? What's amazing is what was just a light to your natural eye, the more they zoom in, it's not just that it's multiple stars. It's an entire galaxy of billions of individual stars. Isn't that incredible? The perspective from the earth 2,000 years ago wouldn't have had the smog and the pollution, so it would be a lot clearer. And I think people say, like, when they go to, uh, uh, go to Alaska and they go, or even into the mountains of Colorado, you know, New Mexico, up in the mountains, the sky is just clear. Even in the Adirondacks, it's clear. It's amazing how much more 
our uh, stars are in the sky. But it's actually incorrect that for me to look up and say, oh, look at that star. Some of them are actual individual stars, but most of the lights you see are entire galaxies. And so if you were to look at the sky 2,000 years ago without the smog, you would look up and you would see incredible bright lights everywhere, and you wouldn't be able to differentiate what is a galaxy, what is a planet, and what is a gas giant, etc. Right today, now we're looking deeper, and we're just, and they're telling me today that suddenly Pluto's not a planet, right? Because the deeper we look, we're discovering more things. I still believe it is, but that's my own opinion. I'm sure I'm wrong. But the deeper we look, the more we see. And what's incredible is that who has found the deeper you look in your word, the more you see. The deeper we look into God. The more, I remembered hearing this a long, long time ago that George Washington died um, from bleeding out. And it was the theory that if they put leeches on you, that they could get poison and junk and sickness out of you. Meanwhile, what they didn't read, which was in my Bible all along, is the Bible says the life is in the blood. And so the Bible was correct before science figured it out. Isn't that incredible? My Bible says that there was a star that led the wise men to Jesus. Now, I believe my Bible before science catches up with it. But the critics will try to say, well, there's no star that led to Jesus in a manger. And so they'll come at it from two different ways. One direction is to look at it as to try to explain it with something else, like an asteroid, a, a comet, a shooting star. Now, I don't know any shooting stars that shoot and then just stop and shine. Or they'll go the other way and they go very supernatural and say it wasn't in our galaxy at all. It was just a light that God shone and he led them to Jerusalem, and then he led them to Bethlehem. And my question for that would be, why would they need to go ask Herod? Why would they need to get a council together to then follow the light again down to Bethlehem? I'd rather just look at the story like the story says, that a star shone and led them to Christ. Amen. All right. So, science has suddenly caught up with what the Bible has always said. And this is incredible. You may have seen it. There's actually a video on this, but um, it's basically called, it's the Bethlehem Star. And uh, it's absolutely amazing because he zooms in, and I'm going to talk about him in a minute, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he zooms into space and shows us incredible signs from God. But before I do that, I want you just to hear this. The Bible says... In Genesis 1, verse 14, it says in New King James, Let there be lights in the firmament to divide the day from the night, yes, and let them be for what? What's it say? Why did God put lights in the sky? To be for signs. Yes, they're for seasons, right? Right, as the sun and the moon move around, we get different seasons, we get night, we get day, we get years, but we also get something else called signs. In fact, the Bible is not the only place that it talks about it. I just have a couple because I don't want to 
talk too long, but Psalm 19, verse 1, says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. And it says specifically, verse 2, that day after day, they continue to speak. Does that mean just because it's always there, it doesn't change? No, I think just the opposite. Every day it does change. Every day the skies are speaking something new, telling us something different. And it says, night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message, everybody say their message. So wait a second, the stars are speaking, but they're not making a sound. They don't say a word, but the Bible says that the stars are giving us a message. It's gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made his home in the heavens for the sun. Luke 21, verse 25. This is Jesus. Jesus said, and there will be strange what? What's that word again? Strange what? Signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars coming for the end times. So, It's very clear from our Bible, and I could keep going, but we're not going to today, that God put the stars in the sky to give us signs and to to show us a map, really, of what is going on within time. Now, I want you to say this out loud. The devil is a copycat. Who knows, the very first thing, right, right there in the garden, comes in, tries to twist God's word with Adam and Eve, get them off, what did he really say, and mar up the truth of God. Now, the reality was that they were eternal, weren't they? And the reality was, I've talked about it before, that their eyes, in fact, would be opened. He didn't lie about that, but he didn't tell the whole truth because it would also bring a curse and bring death. So, the devil has come into uh, the stars, and then it becomes this like thing we can't touch as Christians because it becomes astrology. And you look at the stars, and they dictate your day. You know, people read them every single day, and it's extremely dangerous because there is a, who knows that there's a there is a plan and purpose from the devil for your life. Who has experienced it? Who has lived it without me having to preach that to you? That he has a plan for you too right? And uh, so sometimes people go to uh, psychics, they go to astrologers, and they're like, but it was true. That's the weird thing. And it's because they're not all-knowing. The devil's not all-knowing, but he knows more than your human mind, right? Does not know more than your Christ mind, and he is not more powerful than you. Your heel is on his head, right? Because you are believers. But outside of Christ, he is certainly ruling your human minds. Isn't that easy to understand? So with that said, when we look at the stars and we, you know, and it's like, oh, I can't look at the signs and we shouldn't have names and all these things. God never said any of that. My Bible says, in fact, that actually the stars would paint the picture. My Bible says that there is a message within the stars that I can actually look at. Now, just like me believing in God's word before I saw it in science, I believe that Christ came as a baby and that he will come again. Amen. And I don't need scientific proof, but who loves science backing up the word of God? Who is so thrilled when something scientific actually backs it up? I love it. I don't need it, right? Because I have faith 
But I love, love, love when something scientific backs it up. And there is a story, Doug, I think it was a book that actually sparked your Christianity, if I'm not mistaken. It was a, a, a guy who could not get past the human eye, right? That's, that's the book, Doug, right? That guy. I don't remember his name, maybe you do, but there was this there's pretty famous Christian book because he wanted, saw it, you know, I mean, ultimately he was going to disprove God, and he, what he could not get past was the incredible intricacy and science, quote-unquote, that's a funny word today, science of the human eye. He could not get past how incredibly intricate and built, built and made, not happenstance, right? Not random, but made. And because of that, uh, he actually became a believer. So incredible story. And that's actually Doug's salvation story, right? That book was just left by an angel or a prisoner. We don't know. Just left there one day, and Doug started thumbing through it. And uh, amazing, he can tell you his own testimony, but that's incredible. At the same exact time. Yeah, that's what God does. Isn't that amazing? God, God is, is a cool God. He's a good God. He's a just God. He's a merciful God. He's gracious, but he's also cool. Isn't God cool? Isn't God fun? He's exciting. He loves us, and, you know, just like a, a, a parent loves a mystery. Who likes to hide your Christmas present sometimes? My parents, that's how I grew up. It was always this big drama over the big present, and you had to solve a mystery to go get it. I mean, I can't say it wasn't fun, right? As a little kid, we've done the same thing with our kids, right? And so God is incredible. Uh, the salvation story is simple, and coming to Christ is simple. And yet the, the more you dig and the more you know him, the more intricate he is, the more loving he becomes, the, the level of love, the poetry to his love, if you want to go to that side, to the mathematician side, to the fun side. All of this is coming, comes from God. It's all in him, and he's incredible. And, and, um, and in his nature, he has... He can't help himself, has created a mystery. The Bible calls our salvation, calls coming to Christ a mystery, doesn't it? This whole thing that we have is a mystery. And God is unraveling the mystery to us as believers. Isn't that amazing? And so this is what happens. This guy, I love this story. Um, <laughs> the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, right? Who, who knows that verse? Well, there's a guy, his name is Rick Larson, and uh, he was a career lawyer, all right? So he's not a fool in the world sense, but he was certainly not an astronomer. Lawyers and astronomers are like black and white, night and day. They are far apart. There is no similarity to an astronomer as there is to a lawyer. But that's God's way, isn't it, God? Well, this lawyer... And you can find, you can listen to his own story of how it happened. But through a series of events, this lawyer becomes obsessed with this star of Bethlehem. And so what happens is, is he begins, begins to dig deeper and uh, he finds some things after countless hours of study. He maps the, he gets computer programs, he starts reading ancient historical writings, uh, people like Josephus, you know, who wrote about the times, starts reading history, and, um, and becomes obsessed. So it actually takes him years. It's not just something that he was like, oh, let me Google this for a few hours, and we come up with an answer. 
And so it's, it's years into the making, and suddenly the lights come on. And what he finds is so shocking that he decides, I want to present this to my church. And then what happens is it was so shocking to the church that another church said, I want to see, come to our church to present that to us. And one thing led to another. He starts traveling around the world presenting this astronomical event, this lawyer. Isn't that incredible? This is why I always say, you know, you don't know who you are. You be careful of your dreams and desires written in the stars, pun intended, talking about what we're talking about. Because there are plans and purposes written in the stars in the natural. A person can use their skills to be a basketball player, which is not evil, right? And they can be very good at it and paid well and live a good life. And now that same basketball player could be a believer. But the same exact guy might not have been called to that whatsoever. We, I'm not going to try to propose who he was or what he was supposed to be, but I could use my gifts and my abilities for me, and I could pursue things and become good at something, and it might not be who God wanted me to be, or it might have been a stepping stone to get to me, get to where God wants me to be. Amen. And so that's why I'm always careful to say, what's your dream? What's your desires? Because the Lord has a fun way of making you go through seven years of law school. <laughs> To become a, an amateur astronomer. And that's his life now. That's what this guy, that's what he became. He became a DVD, and this is what he's obsessed with. Became that, and actually has produced some other interesting historical things proving in the stars. Um, so here's the presentation, basically. What he found is, is absolutely incredible. Within our solar system, what back then would have just looked like a star, if you looked up and you see this, the planet Jupiter, Who's ever looked up and seen Jupiter? You don't know that you have. Jeannie knows she has because she's looked for it, right? Unless you know you're looking for it, it's a light in the sky. It looks like a star, but in fact, it's a planet. Jupiter looks like a star. And there were some really smart people back then, too, that also knew about planets somehow. I don't know how, unless they have telescopes we didn't know about, but you couldn't see a planet like we can. We're looking at pictures on the internet or pictures in a book, right? Someone's taking a photo from a telescope. But really, your eyes are just seeing lights, right? Has anybody seen a planet with your natural eyes? Anybody? Even the moon, you know, through just a set of um, binoculars, Aaron and I did this uh, a couple weeks ago, it's incredible the detail that starts coming just from a pair of simple binoculars from way down, thousands of miles, from what, 93 something, I'm not even gonna try to give you the number. The sun is 93 million miles, I don't remember the moon, I know it's closer. Uh, so anyway, Jupiter, was known back in history, if you were to go back to the time of Jesus and you were to, to call Jupiter, it was called, you ready for this, the king planet. Now, they knew it was a star, but it was also called the king planet. Now, in, so, so this is what this guy does. He goes into the computer program, and what he finds is, in September of 3 BC, now that timing is very interesting, uh, around that time, there was a Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and Jupiter had what was called on Rosh Hashanah a conjunction. So the, on the Jewish New Year, right, and, the, and the, the whole Jewish New Year is that they, and Jeannie's talked about this many times, but we just shed everything off, we give everything to God, and we ask him for new. I mean, literally just fresh and new, we reflect, and just like we do as Christians at the New Year, not just saying, I'm going to get healthier, I'm going to be able to run further, but we give our hearts to the Lord, right? So the Magi from the Middle East, they would have seen Jupiter 
coming into close conjunction with a star called Regulus. And Regulus takes its name from the root word where we get regal. The Babylonians called Regulus Sharu, which means king. The Romans called Regulus Rex, which means king. So to start at the beginning of the new Jewish year, the planet of kings met the star of kings. So you would have just seen a light, but Jupiter and Regulus become one light. A king and another king have a conjunction. Isn't that incredible? Well, that's not all. So I'm just getting started here, and I'll be quick. I'm trying to get through this. So Jupiter's uh, doing what's called retrograde, which means that when we're on Earth, just like when you pass a car, and it, when you, they're going 70 and you're going 72, so you're passing them, but it looks like they're going back, right? But you're actually going forward. Your perception, because you're moving, makes something else that's moving look like it's doing something that it's not. So when we look from the earth, we see stars moving around like this. They don't do that. It's because we're spinning and they're spinning and we're both spinning at the same time. And it makes things look, they used to call them back in history, wandering stars. Isn't that interesting? Because that's in our Bible too. But history called them wandering stars because certain stars didn't just sit there and we, they would just move like we with us, but they would move around. And so that's what happened something with Jupiter. So what happens is, this is incredible, is it wouldn't have been enough to get their attention that these that Regulus and Jupiter joined, because that happens every 12 years. But it happened right on a Rosh Hashanah. So that would have been significant if you were Jewish. Now, what happens is, is Jupiter circles Regulus. Now, this is what's incredible, because it's moving and we're moving. It actually circled the king three times, which is extremely rare. So it actually, Jupiter, the king planet, drew a halo three times. Obviously, we know the symbolisms to the three, right? Okay, anybody here need a description of what the three means in our Bible? And he's doing this right here. So if you were in Babylon and you are a stargazer, you're looking at stars, you suddenly see something very significant. Okay, I see them join, but now it's moved away and it's circling this, pointing it out in the heavens. Now that's not all. So it starts to circle it and it almost looks like it's changing its mind because it's doing what's called retrograde. It's moving, but it's actually us moving with it moving. And so after the third conjunction, uh, they would have seen this and uh, they would have called this a coronation. This is a, a king. This is, is basically coronating this star. Now, what's significant is that something else was happening at the exact same time. Now, at the exact same time, we know as Christians, we know from the Bible, and the Jews believed that the tribe of Judah was set apart, right? We have even from chapter 49 of Genesis, that it points to Judah. We know that Jesus is what? The Lion of Judah. So what's happening at the exact same time is that this uh, is that uh, Leo, the Lion, at the exact same time of this triple conjunction is actually coming and joining with the King Star circling the King Star. And Leo, our tribe of Judah, Jesus, right, is coming and joining in. And th now this would have been significant. Uh, in Revelation 12, verse 1, it says, 
A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars in her head, and she was pregnant, and she cried in pain, as she was about to give birth. So something else is happening. Now this is why this was so significant, is not only is Jupiter circling and doing a halo, which they had never seen uh, it's extremely rare, so they probably had never seen this in their life. And Leo is joining it from behind, but also Virgo, the virgin, right, is also rising exactly like, this is exactly like Revelation 12. If you were to look, you would have seen the moon under her feet. There was only a crescent moon. Isn't it amazing with technology we can do this? That we can go back to this date and we can know it was a crescent moon. Not just that it was a moon, but it was a crescent moon. It would have been under her feet like that. And that the, the sun was in between and shining on her. And so we've got Leo. We've got the, the lion. We've got the virgin. And we have the king now joining together for a meeting in the heavens. And what happened is, uh, now this was not just enough, because, you know, that would have been significant. But what's happening is, is that he says, okay, uh, this is interesting, but if this were true, I should be able to fast forward. I should be able to fast forward nine months from now and see something connected to this. So that's what he does. Once he finds this, and this takes him years to find this, but when he finds it, he fast forwards nine months, and what he finds is that uh, Jupiter had finished crowning, and the planet of kings had traveled through the star field, and, and this is what happened. It joins with Venus. It's, and Venus back in history, ready? So we have the king planet is Jupiter, and Venus was known as the mother planet. Isn't this incredible? The king planet and the mother planet, they actually join as one. Now, with your naked eye, you would not be able to see two stars. So this happens, and now they come together, and they create one singular star. Now, Apparently, I didn't know this, but you can go and um, go to, you know, um, um, wow, my mind's going blank, stargazing facilities. What do you call these things? Planetariums, thank you. And apparently around Christmas, they actually show this event, not pointing to Christ, of course, but they can't help it that they're prophesying Christ. Because it was such a spectacular time in history, this would have been the brightest star that any man had ever seen would be on this time. Right now, when Jupiter and Venus joined together, and it said they could not be distinguished as the naked eye. Now, with science, we can actually zoom in, and if you zoom in, it forms two circles so closely together that they're touching like a figure eight, which is also significant because we literally have, you know, the seed and the egg, etc. We have so many symbols, it's unbelievable. And if, and they wouldn't have been able to see this without a telescope, but they see this one singular star, and um, it says, basically the Bible says that they saw it, but the real issue is that it stops. Now, how do you get something that's moving in the sky to stop? Now, the thing is, when they're viewing the stars in the sky, they're not viewing them moving, you know, like this. Who's ever, mo who's ever watched a star in the heavens move? Anybody seen a star move? but they do move, right? In fact, they actually move at half of the speed that the hour hand moves on your clock. Anybody ever watched an hour hand move? All right, so it moves very slow. So this would have been something they would have been watching over some time. All right, but suddenly, so they saw movement, but then they see a definite stop. 
they all appear to be stopped to me is my point, but to an astronomer, somebody who's watching something move and then suddenly it's not moving anymore. And this is what's so crazy. Ready for this? Now, no one's claiming that Jesus was born on December 25th. It doesn't line up with those things. It looks more like June, you know, sometime around the springtime, and this guy's saying June. But on December 25th of 2 BC, the Jupiter and Venus entered retrograde, which means that as they joined together, they had just they hit a point where they paused and then would have appeared to come and come back as they were moving like this, you know, stars are moving like this. But it hits a moment, and that moment before it begins to look like it's moving backwards, like they do, right? You watch it on the computer screen, you see like this. You watch it over like over a month. Take a month of a star and it's going like this. And it's going, and then suddenly it just stops on December 25th of 2 BC. Isn't that incredible? Now, the thing is, whether it happened exactly on December 25th is not our point. This is the day that we celebrate it. What I want to point out is that within the heavens, and this is what's just unbelievable to me, is 2,000 years ago, a star was seen in the sky, and only a few men saw it. Something so spectacular, something so incredible, God was literally painting his picture within the sky, and only a few men saw it. Only a few men had paid attention. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of life, and I saw some people holding up some pickets, and I'm like, a couple days ago, and I'm like, all right, what are they protesting or telling me about today? <laughs> and yet, I just stopped and looked, and it was very simple. It was a whole row of people that just said, keep Christ in Christmas. And I was like, wow, okay, Lord, you know, um, thank you for the reminder. I mean, obviously, that's the, that's the bumper sticker, right, that we used to always have back in the day. That was the Christian thing, talking about Christmas. Keep Christ in Christmas, because it became about Santa. And the thing is that uh, I, I didn't have, like, this giant epiphany and start crying then, but I was just like, wow, Lord, you know, we need to remember you right now. You are literally doing things right in front of us. Things are happening. Things are happening in the earth. Things are happening in this nation. Things are happening within your family, within the sky. Like, God is busy doing, and it's not stopping. Now, now, I'm, now that's, that's one level of the revelation. Ready for the second level of the revelation? When God thought in his mind, whatever that looked like before time, I'm going to create the universe. We know as Christians that Jesus Christ was prophesied. But that means that before Adam and Eve ever sinned, that means before the devil ever tricked them, do you understand stars don't just start moving? Stars don't just, stars are like train tracks. Right, who's ever had, built a train on a track? All right? They run, if you've done it right, unless you've done it wrong, and then they fall off. <laughs> but if you've done it right, they stay consistently on that track, technically for life. Either the power goes out or the batteries die. It should never change until something breaks. God's universe is like a set of crisscrossing, well-built train tracks, which means, and this is what's incredible to me, this is where I was like, wow, God. God really kind of got me good. It means... That before the Magi, before the wise men even looked at the star, 
it was already shining. I know you're like, wow, you're telling me what we already know. But I need you just to think about this for a second. Before you ever looked for Christ, before you ever called out, before you even knew that you needed him, before you knew that I need to go and worship this Christ, he already had a pathway that leads you right to him. Isn't that unbelievable? Isn't God's incredible? He is so incredible. He is so amazing that he thought up a scenario uh, that honestly is only making even more sense. Like this, this story has always been the Bible and it's always been truth. But only today, the more we unfold, that God just becomes more and more magnificent. He becomes bigger and bigger. God just keeps getting bigger and more and more incredible. That we can, I can look deeper and deeper and deeper than they ever could in history. I can pull together all the... I just, I really needed faith back in the day. And now today, I can pull together all the historians and all the science and all the math and everything points to Christ. And not just that it points to him, it points to this preordination. It points to that God uh, knew in his heart, he knew before you ever made the decisions you would make where you would be and has created a point of impact, a place where some things join together. In fact, I was thinking about Dawn and I. We've been together now for almost 20 years. And I can actually remember the exact moment that I looked at her different. Like just one day, we were friends. We had been crisscrossed within churches throughout the years. And but just this one particular day, I just looked at her a little bit different that day. And I began to just meditate on this. You know, to me, my story with her began then. But God's story for us did not begin then. God had our families crisscrossing, made sure that they moved to New York, didn't stay in Missouri, made sure that we stayed here. We talked about maybe going up to the Adirondacks and living there. It was some serious thought, looking at land. And, and then God had our lives crisscrossing like stars and joined together in a collision one day with him. The king began to create a moment in time. So, you know, you can look at astrology, you can look at the stars, you can look at all that, the craziness, and, and I really tell you uh, strongly, do not do that because it's very dangerous and totally demonic. And yet God, in the same way, has created a scenario, has created... Now, and this is where I want to encourage you. So I just want to encourage you. God has created scenarios that you aren't even aware of. He has created moments in your life before time began that you aren't even aware of. That a bad situation, bad decisions, who has, who has lost a job? Don't talk to Jeannie when you're losing a job. She's going to tell you, praise God. Thank God. Who has been in a tough situation that was exactly what you needed to lead you into the right situation? Who has gone through heartaches in your heart, gone through issues, gone through trials, gone through struggles just to set you up for exactly where God needed you to be at the exact 
time. Do you understand what I'm trying to... I, I don't think I'm expressing it the way I feel it in my heart, but that God, he, he figures... You ready for this? He figures for all the variables. Do you understand how many variables have to work together for God to line up these moments in time? And suddenly they collide together in a display of his magnificent magnificence and his beauty. And I'm just blown away. I'm blown away by him. I actually saw it like this. God lets you wander, and he lets you wonder. He lets you make mistakes because those are your free will choices. But he's ordained moments in time where your good choices and your bad choices, they collide with God. He has a moment in time where he wants to show you that he is God. And in that moment, you take the good, the bad, the ugly, you give it all to him, and you surrender to Christ and are welcomed into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters. And that's not all. Even though God doesn't micromanage our moments, you know, he doesn't tell us, you know, what color clothes we're allowed to wear and what food, you know, that we're allowed to like. He's not a micromanager, but he is managing, he is moving, he's shaping through your entire life. You're asking questions and going through struggles and you're figuring stuff out and God is constantly working together. But this is what I want to get to. It's not that God is trying to figure out, okay, how do I get to this person? What do I do in this person's life? This is what's incredible. You ready for this? God has a place in your future that is already there. Now, this is, I just can't even imagine, I cannot fathom my God. He is already in the manger. Do you understand the significance to this? One day they said, let's go and find this Jesus. I'm going to go find Jesus. I've come to the place now where I know I need him. You're already a Christian. Lord, I surrender, and I've been struggling, and I've been trying to figure things out, and I've been off over here, and I'm trying to do this good thing or that bad thing, but Lord, I'm gonna, I want to know you more, and I want to know you greater. God's not like, oh, great. Uh, that's awesome. Let's get together and let's have a meeting. God knew in his, in his incredible mind, just like the stars are literally mapped out before time began, they're already there. He already knew the decisions you would make, and he has a place in your future set up for you to arrive at when you come to the end. Who has done this? Who has come to the end of a season, come to the end of a trial, and suddenly somebody says something, and someone else says something, and someone else says something, and, and all those things were they started getting things and started thinking things and wondering things that they're going to make a statement to you that's going to bring what God just showed you together. But you realize, wait a second, when did God show you that? When did God tell you that? And you find that God started showing it to them before you even had the questions in your heart. Who's ever experienced that? That God's got a place. He's already got an ordained son. He's already, his son was already on the scene, even if... We don't look for him. He's already there waiting for us. Isn't that incredible? That's the story of Christ. And I just wanted to say this, just end with this, that isn't it ironic that they come and bring Jesus gifts? I just thought this was funny. I called this an unfair exchange. Who's ever had a Christmas party? We were just joking about this. We did these as, man, we did so many of these as teenagers. You're supposed to go buy a gift. It has to be between $10 and $15.
And of course, you get the gift from the dollar store. And you're like, man, come on. It was a $10 to $15 gift. I'm not asking for a Rolls Royce here, but, you know, this is a dollar store item. We all got something, and you get stuck with it. You know, we got, Jesus really had the unfair exchange. We give him gold, silver, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and he gives us his life. We give him something precious. It is precious, but it's only precious from this earth's perspective. We give him our lives, but in the scale, I just thought this was incredible. It's an exchange of gifts. Lord, I remember, I remember today, I want to just focus on this and just remember, Lord God, that you have given us this incredible gift. The greatest gift is that you gave your life for us, that he was sent for us. Emmanuel, God with us. He's good, isn't he? He's kind, he's merciful, he's loving, and he is really, really fun too and cool. Hopefully you guys didn't mind me going through that, and hopefully it's sometimes a picture is better than a thousand words. So hopefully my thousands of words painted enough of a picture that you get the, get the picture. But uh, he is incredible. I just want to wish all of you Merry Christmas, and we love you.